Are you trying to figure out how to learn to code but not sure where to start? Then this episode is for you. Switching careers is difficult, not just because it's hard to know where to start, but also because it's hard to figure out where to learn. Even when you do know where to start and where to learn, it's hard to stay personally accountable to that journey. This is very important because in the U.S. alone, 166 million people are going to have to switch careers by 2030. Which is why we are interviewing Laurence Bradford from Learn to Code with me. Laurence is a self-taught engineer that has been teaching herself these skills for over three years. And we're going to tell you more about her and how that's going to be applicable to your coding journey. But if this is the first time that you are listening to the Breaking Stars podcast, please uh, like our page on Facebook, leave us a review on iTunes, follow our Instagram at Everest10x, and, or send us an email with your feedback. It's uh, Ruben Archer and Timor BreakingStars.com. Um, just for a little backstory, um, I remember when Archer and Timor were trying to learn how to code, and this was before prep programs like the Structured Study Program at Hack Reactor and the Jumpstart Program at App Academy and the other prep programs at Full Stack like that existed. And they would start learning a few things and quit. I remember Archer Timor quit two times before he became an engineer through App Academy, and Archer also spent a similar amount of time trying to figure out where to begin uh, where to learn and how to hold himself accountable. Um, we really are here for you if you want to take the next step. And you can uh, check us out um, in, in our history. And, and we're always here for you. Every Friday we have open office hours. So if you want to come through, um, hit us up. And you can come through our office and meet other people that are learning how to code. Um, and meet other people that have done it that can guide you through it. And without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timo Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars Podcast. Archer, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, it's 7 a.m. on a Friday morning. We're recording out of a coffee shop today slash co-working space, and we have a super exciting guest for you. Timo, can you please introduce who we're speaking with? Yeah, Arthur. So today we have the privilege to speak to Laurence Bradford, who is not only a software engineer, a product manager at Teachable, and a contributor at Forbes, but she also runs a podcast called Learn to Code With Me, which has over a million downloads. She runs a blog with over 40,000 subscribers. And she has a community of over 14,000 people on Facebook who she's helping to learn how to code. In addition to that, she also has traveled to over 30 countries. She's an avid writer, and she's very passionate, like us, to help others break into tech. Welcome, Laurence. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're definitely excited to jump into your story. We'd love to hear how you got started. So take us back to the moment when you realized you wanted to break into tech, and what steps did you take to do that? Yeah, of course. So I'll go back a bit in time, but basically in college, I studied history and I minored in economics. And my junior year of college, I studied abroad in China and I just fell in love with East Asian culture. And I knew I wanted to do something there, or at least that's you know what I thought at the time. 
So after college, I ended up moving to Thailand to teach English. And I ultimately got a job after that at a Thai think tank. So I thought I wanted to work in economic development. That had been my plan at this point for maybe a year or two. So I ended up getting my dream job right at this think tank that was in Bangkok. And I was there for about a few weeks and I realized it was not for me. It was not what I thought it was going to be. It was actually, in my opinion, quite boring, the work that I was doing there. And I felt really, you know, kind of like confused and also just like, oh, wow, my plans I had for the last two years is just not what I thought it was going to be. What am I going to do now? So I began researching online, you know, jobs that good, you know, high paying, good jobs you can get without going back to college because I already had this degree. I had a degree in history, right? And I was like, I don't want to go back to school and have to get something else, you know? So what can I do that is going to require like minimum investment as far as like money goes, right? Like I didn't want to go back to school and go into debt or something like that. So of course, some of the top jobs were jobs in tech, coding specifically as a skill. And I was like, all right, let me give it a shot. There's a bunch of free resources online I can check out and I can see if I like it. And that's what I ended up doing. And I was still working at this Thai think tank at the time. About a month or two later, I left that think tank, moved back home, back to the US, and I just really dove in and just spent a lot of time learning and teaching myself all these skills. About a year after that, I decided to start my blog, uh, Learn to Co with Me, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned in the intro, as a way to document my progress. And it really has evolved significantly since the early days. We can get into that, you know, more later. But that's really how I had my kind of my my start getting into tech. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, we'll jump more into your blog and um, kind of the types of stories that you've featured over the years. I want to kind of dive a little deeper into what exactly did you do once you realized that you wanted to learn how to code? Because there's a lot of people who are listening now. They're also interested in learning how to code, but there's just so many resources online that it almost becomes overwhelming for someone starting out. So what did you do in order to get your first break in tech? Yeah. So when I first started, this was back in like mid 2013. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's actually even more resources now than there were then. And at that time, I felt like there were a ton. I remember being really overwhelmed, not sure where I should start. I kept changing what I was learning because I would start to learn something. I would speak to someone and they're like, oh, like, why are you learning? Python, you should learn mm-hmm. Ruby. And then I would switch yeah. and start to start to learn Ruby. So yeah, it was a very confusing time for me early on. But what really helped me find clarity in what I should be learning, what I should be focusing on was looking at actual job listings online. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, what are some dream companies I would want to work for? For instance, like, you know, maybe like Facebook or Twitter or, you know, there's a bunch that it yeah. could be. And then I was looking at their job ads sort of as like a reach goal. And I was like, okay, so this is what they're hiring for. This is the job title. This is the skills. This is the points of experience. How can I reverse engineer like my journey to match that job ad and be able to get that kind of job you know, mm-hmm. at this company that I would love to work for? So once I started to do that, it really became clear to me. Again, a lot has changed since. Yeah. This was probably back in 2014. And it, I was like, okay, actually, I think I really like the front end, right? I really want to focus on front end stuff. What what do I need to know to be a front end developer? Okay, JavaScript, that's huge, right? HTML, CSS, some kind of, you know, like SaaS or, or less. And then at this time, like 
I, oh my goodness, I forget what was even the popular framework. They come and go, but you know, then some other JavaScript framework. Okay, this is what these jobs are looking for. I'm going to start doing this. So that really helped me decide what next steps to take. And then as far as courses go, I mean, there's so many that honestly, like what, there's some better courses or some worse courses, but really what matters is just like building projects and yeah. actually putting your skills into use and having something to show like a portfolio or freelance projects that you did or something to show that could then kind of bridge the gap between learning and then landing that first job. Yeah. And I think it's, it goes true to say that whenever you're starting out, you're just asking people around and to your point, someone will say, hey, you should learn Rails because it's like the easiest way to build an app. And then you might spend a weekend doing that. Then you speak to someone else and they're like, well, you're doing it all wrong. You should just like learn how to build an app or a project. So there's so much advice out there. I love your point about picking a project and then just figuring out what technologies you need to know to just build that project. Because from my experience, and I'm sure Arthur can relate, it's very important for you to be able to kind of put that check mark on your, just personally for yourself to say, hey, I was actually able to build an app and put it online. Might be something very simple like a Twitter clone or some tutorial that you followed. But having the confidence to say that you put all of those pieces together goes a really long way. So in your case, do you remember what your first app was, the one that you built from scratch and how it made you feel? Yeah, I, okay. So early on, I would build a bunch of small things and I would never finish them because, well, part of the reason was that I would start to learn something else. So I was like, oh, I'm going to build something in Ruby on Rails or I'm going to start to build mm-hmm. something in, at the time I remember Meteor, like the JavaScript like framework, yeah. Meteor was, was big. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try to learn Meteor. I'm going to do this and that. And I would never really finish something. And Another issue with that was that I was building things that I actually didn't really have an interest in. Like, I, I, I remember trying to build some, like, writing. Like, I don't even, like, these random, like, apps or websites that I didn't really have any, like, passion in. The one thing, though, that this isn't the, this isn't totally answering your question, but one thing that I built really early on that I totally built from scratch was the Learn to Code With Me blog. It's a WordPress blog. I built the theme, though, totally custom. And I, I just really wanted to make my site look good. So I was Mm -hmm. really motivated to make my website look good. I already had this blog. I was using some basic WordPress theme. I was like, oh, I can make this look a lot better. And I was really passionate about it. So I spent like, oh my gosh, probably like 40 to 80 hours. Because also as I was building it, I learned so much along the way, like Mm -hmm. about things I didn't know how to do before. And that's something, you know, to this day that I'm still maintaining, right? Not so much like the, the actual code or something, but I mean that I'm still publishing articles. I have the podcast. It's like a project that I built back in 2014 that mm-hmm. in 2017, it still exists and it's still growing. And for me, like a lot of the opportunities that have come my way and I professionally have mm-hmm. in some way stemmed from the Learn to Code Me blogger podcast. So like writing for Forbes, that's a great example. Even my current full-time job at Teachable, like the fact that I had this blog and website where I had, you know, I'd forget the time, but X subscribers really like showed them, I think that I was very industrious and I had a very wide range of skill sets, which at a startup is really valuable. So I could wear many hats. I, you know, knew a lot about SEO and marketing. I also knew, you know, HTML, CSS, SAS really well. I also knew how to write, you know, and writing is something that comes into play in like so many jobs, just having strong communication skills. 
I knew how to create and grow a podcast, even though I don't use that skill at Teachable. Yeah. It's just like I had this wide mm-hmm. range of things I could do. So I didn't totally answer your question, but that's like the one thing that I've built that I've maintained that has helped me in numerous ways professionally. Yeah, that's awesome. And on your podcast, you told us that you interviewed over 60 guests and you're launching another a new season very soon. So kind of from all the guests that you've spoken to, what is the best advice you've heard them share on how to get into coding or get into tech? Oh, wow. That's like really hard to answer because there's so many good things that people share. And one of the things that every season, by the way, I try to have a theme. Last season, I don't think I had too much of a strong one. I don't really have one for this season four I'm launching soon. But the one thing that I am doing this season, which I'm really excited about, is I'm interviewing a bunch of different people in tech. So when I say different, I mean in different careers. Because before I would really focus on web developers software engineers, Mm -hmm. people who went to coding boot camps, a lot of self-taught people, which I know my audience does love a lot, but I really want to shed light onto the different options in tech. So like data science, DevOps, Mm -hmm. machine learning. I'm also talking to people about, of course, software engineering and other self-taught folks that have, you know, just made waves since teaching themselves several years ago and are doing awesome things. But as far as the best advice... Or what sticks out to you as like consistently (laughs) a recurring theme that you hear from people? Oh, okay. So building your own projects, like we talked about a bit ago, that's huge, right? So actually taking the skills that you learn from a tutorial or course Mm -hmm. and putting them into use and having something tangible to show, like not just, oh, I went to all these different courses, but you know, even a coding bootcamp, it's like, okay, so I did these things, which is great, but then this is what I have to show for it. And it could be, again, freelance work you've done for clients. It could be something you built on your own. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. But I think the whole idea of stepping away from the course or tutorial and actually like coding on your own or building something on your own is, Mm. um, yes, you show it's, I guess like this whole thing between like the research and the knowledge versus the action, the execution, right? And you need like a balance. Both are important, but I mean, I'd even argue, I mean, the execution is in a lot of ways important, but is even more important, but so is planning and research, of course. Yeah. And similar to you, uh, I love the fact that you brought up that you're now expanding the roles in tech beyond just engineering and you're featuring and putting spotlight on other roles like data science, product management. So we're actually very passionate about showing people who are outside of tech that you don't necessarily need to learn how to code in order to have a successful career in tech. And a lot of people who might learn how to code, it's still a valuable skill. But I think the your secret sauce will come from combining whatever, maybe your liberal arts degree with your ability to code. And then you can take that to the next level of becoming a product manager or designer. So from your experience, do you feel like some of your guests have gone on and pursued other roles in tech once they were broken in? And how easy was it for them to move around? Yeah, 100%. And I'm trying to think of a good example off the top of my head of someone who got into tech and then moved around once they were within tech. A lot of the folks I speak to are people who clearly like had a very unrelated job or career Mm -hmm. path before and then transitioned into tech. But as far as someone who got into tech and then evolved once they got there. I think your story is a really good example of that. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up at Teachable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, yeah, my tech (laughs) journey evolved multiple times, but well, I first started out, I guess, back in 2013, teaching myself how to code Mm -hmm. and things like that. About 20, maybe it was about 2015. I realized, had the realization that I didn't want to be like a full-time software engineer, web developer. Mm -hmm. 
I just have all these different interests and I like to do a lot of different things. And I have a very like creative side to me. And even though at the time I realized this, this is actually not true, but I thought if I became a software engineer, web developer, that would be like a hundred percent of my job, just coding all day. And I was like, oh man, like, I just don't think I could do that, honestly. And I love teaching people and helping people and writing and all these things. So I then decided to just really double down on my blog. And then I started the podcast shortly after that and see if I could have that be a reliable source of income. While though I was doing that, of course, I was also freelancing and I was doing other kinds of consulting projects, paid writing projects, a variety of areas. And uh, maybe it was like in March of 2016, early 2016, I ended up doing this project with Flatiron School, which is a coding boot camp, And I was helping them create some of their curriculum for one of their courses. And before this, I remember a lot of the freelance projects I would do once they were done, I felt like relieved. I was like, oh, thank God that website is done. You know, whoo, okay. And I, you know, and towards the end of the project, I was like, maybe kind of stressed or like, oh, I just had this deadline. I have to work towards it, whatever. With this, with this experience with Flatiron School creating curriculum, I remember when it was done, I like wanted to do more. Like I was sad. I was like, oh, I can't believe it's over. Oh, I wish I could keep doing this. Which gave me the idea, okay, so do these, jo- do these jobs exist full-time? So like a, it turns out it did, like an instructional designer, curriculum developer, course content producer, depends on the company, they have different titles for it, but it's all essentially building online course curriculum. So I started there, I began applying to jobs that related to that. I didn't get too far into the interview process until I saw this job opening at Teachable. And I had heard at, about Teachable, it's a ed tech startup. We help people create and sell online courses. So it's different, like the job posting was different than creating curriculum, but it related to education, which I was really passionate about. It was also at a smaller company, like a startup, which I was also really interested in working at a smaller company. Some of the others I was looking at were quite big, like a couple hundred, even like a thousand or so people. And I, so I applied, I didn't even reach out to anyone there. I just sort of applied to this job opening I saw and heard back from the CEO on core like two days later. And I think I was get, made a job offer within like 10 days, like 10, wow. like not even business, just like 10 days after that. And then like a few weeks later, moved to New York, started this job and yeah. I've been here. And I think since. your story kind of points out the importance of personal brand. Cause by that time you mentioned that you reached out to someone uh, to the CEO on Cora. And I would imagine with your blog, with your contributor relationship with Forbes and Cora, you kind of displayed, demonstrated your passion for, coding, teaching people, and that inevitably led you to your current role, right? Yeah. So I applied to the job, right? I didn't even reach out to anyone there, which would be, it's usually what I tell people to do. But I just saw this job. It was kind of like fate because they had this job posting and I somehow found it on LinkedIn. And it was posted like 12 hours before. And I just applied through LinkedIn, which takes like two seconds. And I wrote like a nice message along with it. And then, yeah, my website and my other past experience definitely helped get the job there a hundred percent. Yeah. And again, I said before, I also had this really wide range of skills at that point, Mm -hmm. which I think startups more so than bigger companies value because there's so many things going on in so many areas that can need attention in different parts of the company. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that helped me. And what do you think? So you worked as a freelancer before you've also started your own blog and now you work for a company as a product manager. What do you think are the trade-offs and what are some of the benefits of working on a team at a startup versus being a like, sole contributor? 
Yeah. So I love working in an office. I love working with people. I love getting to see like my coworkers every day and collaborating. I really love all of that. I guess the one upside or a really big upside to working for yourself and to just, you know, calling your own shots. Well, first of all, you get to call your own shots. So you don't have to make, you know, certain compromises that you may have to make in a full-time position, you know, where people have different ideas and you're trying to find the best solution. And even though like, usually I feel like you can reach a consensus and talk it out and and find the best option, having multiple like opinions, because, you know, more what's to say, like more heads are better than one or whatever. (laughs) But then there could be other times where that could be frustrating. So that's one thing where when you're totally working for yourself, you don't have that kind of frustration because it's just you and maybe you have contractors helping you. Like that's certainly my case, but it's very different than like the full-time kind of collaborative environment. The other upside, I think, to working for yourself and whether that's freelancing, whether that's having your own business or blog or podcast like I do, Mm -hmm. is there's really no cap on how much you can earn right? So like even at really awesome companies, I guess like there are like, you know, C-level positions at like Fortune 1000 companies that are, you know, bringing in really high salaries. Mm -hmm. But for even if you are at a great tech company, you have a really good job there. There is some kind of income or um, there's like a bracket, there's like a bucket that that you're placed in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of hard to really get past a certain point. But of course, if you're working for yourself and there's really no limit to how much you can earn, you can earn as much as you can, as much as you can. There's absolutely zero limit. Like you don't have to negotiate a salary with your manager. You don't have to. Yeah. Like you can earn as much as you. It's completely up to you, right? Whatever initiative you do. Instead of playing the game, you just create your own game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think that, yeah, those are two. But then when you're working for yourself, you don't have the collaborative yeah. environment. The other thing you don't have, which I really value, is like certain benefits you get from an employer. So, you know, health insurance. Of course, you could buy your own, but you don't have the health benefits. For me, you know, like a 401k match, you don't have things like that. So it's, yeah. you know, there's definitely pros and cons to each. And I don't really think one's like better than the other. I think it just depends yeah. on what you want and where you are in your life. And I think there's some folks who like maybe could never work at a full-time job, right? Like they're just way too entrepreneurial and just want to do things on their own. And at the flip side, I think there's other people who just have no interest in starting their own mm-hmm. business or doing their own thing. And they like working for a company. Yeah. So, And I think just from my perspective, for your personal growth, I think the advantages... So I agree with everything you said for running your own business. I think that's great that you have that unlimited cap. I think one thing though is when you do work for companies, you can accelerate your learning because you're constantly surrounded by people who are sharing ideas about like what they're working on. They actually challenge your ideas and they force you to answer the question why, which I think is very important because as a, a lot of the times, even with breaking into startups, Arthur Rubin and I will have these like discussions, we'll have arguments and we'll actually get to the truth like a lot quicker versus trial and error and then finding out weeks or months later that, hey, we should have approached it in a different way. So I think finding that balance, uh, and I think you found, you certainly have shown that you can do both. You can have your personal blog and you can also work for a startup and kind of get the perks of doing that as well. Yeah. I also think too, like working at a company while you're building is interesting too, because uh, you're seeing how something looks like at scale. And so while you're building it out, um, there's some tools that they have that you may not have you'll be able to know what you're working towards if you're going to eventually build a team. And there's some resources that you might not have that you have access to at that organization that allows you to build what you're doing, especially when you're in MVP stage. So I think that's very interesting. With respect to Teachable, uh, we've been exposed to Teachable as well. We 
use it for our courses too. I mean, we're big fans of your work. I believe we've gotten your emails before and things like that. So for the people that don't know, can you explain a little bit more about what Teachable is and how people can leverage it to either build communities or create their own courses to share knowledge that they've learned over the years? Yeah, yeah, of course. And again, very happy to hear that you guys are using Teachable. Love to hear that. So put simply, Teachable is a way to monetize your expertise. Put a little bit more elaborately, we're an online course platform. And you can, if you know, for the techies lesson, you can think of it like a CMS, a content management system. So we provide a way for people to create and sell online courses. So you would use Teachable to upload your course content, arrange it in a way that you want, you know, make your own sales page. You have control over like the design of your website and, you know, and then and use our checkout and we handle the sales for you. And you don't have to worry about, you know, setting up your own shopping cart and your students can log in and take the courses all from the same platform. Okay. So yeah. And shameless plug here, but guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to break in, so. We actually set up a teachable course for you guys. And the idea behind it was we wanted to give you guys five challenges that you take in order for you to figure out what role you're interested in tech, how do people get into those roles and how to connect with insiders who are doing the job that you want to do. So you can actually ask them what it's like and how they did it. And the best part about this is the course is free. So just go to breakingstarups.com forward slash challenge and just sign up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love that you um, have this very background. You said you, you've been exposed to product school and things like that too, right? Yes. Yeah, so I went to product school. Actually, I guess I told you I didn't go to a coding boot camp. It's not technically a coding boot camp, but it's kind of similar to one. So I went to product school, which is like a part-time course that I was, was twice a week after work. And it's all about product management. Yeah, that's awesome. We actually had Carlos, who is the founder of Product School on our podcast and a yeah. few other alumni. So nice. it's awesome to see the link. So can you tell us a little bit more about your experience at Product School and kind of what made you decide to attend it versus just like learning on your own? And then how did you end up finding a job afterwards? So to clarify, I went to Product School, jo- Ooh, it was like last March or February. So I was working at Teachable when oh, I you went. Oh, so I was, yeah, yeah. So but I guess what led me to go there, I was really interested in getting into product management. There's not a ton of product management courses like in person. I really wanted something that was in person. There's a few others. General Assembly has one. And there's, I remember there's like some like a week-long workshops in like California. So like I would maybe take a week off work and go there. That was, I remember being quite on the expensive side. So I began doing research and also I just like had it been in a, it's funny because even though I work at an ed tech startup, and even though I talk all the time about online courses, I actually hadn't gone through an online course, like an intense one from beginning to end in a while. So I just really wanted to do something new, sharpen my skills, also just have that help me get more product management skills so I could use them at my job at Teachable. And yeah, so I ended up going and I think I signed up in like January and maybe the course started in like I'm sorry, I signed up in December and maybe the course started in late January. Yeah. And I think it just shows to, to our listeners that it doesn't matter what you're passionate about. You can Google it. You can find schools and programs that will help you get there faster. And you'll find some instructors who can help you acquire the skill set a lot quicker. I do want to kind of take a step back to talk more about Learn to Code with Me. So we know you have a podcast, you have a blog. Can you just tell our listeners more about the types of topics that you cover? And 
what uh like what exactly is your mission with the blog post yeah so learn to co with me has evolved a lot since the early days when i first started it was just a blog really to document my own journey about several months in i realized that it would be way cooler and, and if i actually wrote articles i could also help other people more so i sort of began to switch the content around and today, and since then until to today, it's all articles geared towards people that are learning how to code, trying to get into tech. It's very beginner level. I have articles that'll talk about like the, you know, 47 different places to learn to code for free. I'll have articles that, you know, will share like the best courses in mobile app development. I also have ones then that are like, you know, how to overcome certain obstacles when you're learning how to code. So there's definitely a variety of content, but it's all really geared to someone very early on in tech, uh, specifically someone who's trying to learn how to code. As far as the podcast goes, it's very similar, except obviously, you know, I'm interviewing guests for each show, which is different than the blog post. And the subject matter, I do my show on a season, in a season basis. So I have season, season one, season two, season three. Now I'm getting ready or I'm about to launch season four. By the time this comes out, I could have already launched season mm -hmm. four. And I do a slightly different theme each time. But the underlying theme is definitely that interviewing people that are in tech got there from one way or another and just sharing what they've learned. And also in some episodes, really just like explaining certain concepts in a beginner way. So this season, I'm focusing a lot on different tech careers. So not just software engineering. So I've interviewed people that work in data science, people who work in DevOps. Mm -hmm. I will be interviewing people that work in product management, cybersecurity of course, software engineering, and then even I think a few other fields, especially like for instance, like the machine learning and the DevOps interviews, I'm asking very basic questions. Like what is machine learning? How does it factor mm -hmm. into one's career? Like what kind of jobs you're using machine learning? Where else can we see it? And really, again, these really beginner level things just to try to give people a more well-rounded understanding, I guess, of tech and tech careers available. Because when I first started out and I first began teaching myself how to code, I only thought the option, like I thought the only option was become a software engineer, become a web developer. That's it. I didn't realize there were all these other like nuances and so many careers in tech beyond just being a software yeah. engineer. And why do you think it's important for people to realize about opportunities that exist in tech? Because I, I know a lot of parents are probably advising their kids to go to law school, go to medical school, but like we've been underground and we've seen all these opportunities here. But in your opinion, why do you think it's important for people to realize that, hey, they can build successful careers in tech? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few reasons. First and foremost, I guess tech careers are fun. I think there's a lot. Sometimes people, at least for, okay, for me, I remember thinking back when I was in high school and in college that being in tech or working in, you know, IT or something meant like you're going to be like in this hoodie, like super nerdy, like, like, you know, not, I had this kind of stereotype associated with it and it's not true at all. And anyone can get into tech, you know, any walks of life, like whatever, it's really open and accepting. But beyond that, tech careers are very lucrative, right? They're really in demand. They pay higher than like other kinds of industries, other kinds of jobs that are available right now. So there's also that has that is working towards it too. So it's a, again, like very lucrative, high paying field to get into. And sorry, the latter part of your question was why I guess, people- I guess the, the point I was trying to make is like, what are the trends that you see over the next, like what are the trends you see now with tech? And then over the next five, 10 years, why do you think it's important for people to have these skills? 
Yeah. So as far as like things I'm seeing now and I can speak from like teachable and also just like other things, cause I, I'm you know, very involved in the tech community and writing on Forbes. And I, I talk to a lot of different people when I do that interviewing different people, uh, definitely really big is related to data, data science. That's a huge field right now. So is machine learning, which ties into data science and other, let me see. Oh, DevOps is huge. And I, a lot of my other findings from this, like I know from jobs that we're filling at Teachable. So for instance, it's been a lot easier for us to find software engineers at Teachable than it has been to find people on our data team, the data engineer and a head of data. We've been trying to fill those positions for months. So whenever someone asks me, oh, like I, you know, want to do coding, I kind of am interested in like data science and things like that. Should I pursue it? I always say, oh yes, definitely pursue it because it's a huge it, it, there's just so much demand for mm-hmm. data roles right now. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of roles and people should definitely go online, check out your website to see more about how to acquire those tech skills. So at this point in the podcast, we do the lightning round. And this is where Arthur Rubin and I will ask you several questions, but we're actually looking for hands-on strategies and actionable steps or tactics that you've used to learn how to code. And then things that you've seen your community members do to also break into tech. So with that said, Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So this question takes it back to the basics. So imagine you were, you just moved to a brand new city, you don't know anyone, and you're starting from the beginning again, and you only have $100. So what would you do and how would you spend that $100 to get back on your feet and break into tech? Okay. So sorry, this scenario, I have nothing with me, not even on a computer. I mean, let's assume you have, um, yeah, let's assume you don't have a computer, but you have $100 and like, let's say food and shelter is taken care of. So... You're trying to like apply that $100 to breaking the tech. Okay. So I would not use that money probably on courses because there's enough free material out there that you can get your footing and kind of get the ball rolling before even spending money on courses. So that's one thing I would do. I would probably put the money towards a domain name, hosting, stuff like that. So I could get a website online. Again, as someone who's just, I, I've had so many opportunities come my way from my website and my brand online that I would invest in that. And and also just like networking. So there's a lot of free meetups you can go to, of course, but I would really optimize for that. So building my network, building my community in that new city, and then just getting my website online and starting to provide value and content and knowing that it would pay off. Love that. So provide value. That's awesome. What does uh, Learn to Code with me look like you know, over the next five years? Oh, that's a great question. So definitely continuing to put out content on the blog and podcast. As far as taking it further, uh, right now, I'm actually kind of getting back to basics, as I like to say. And I'm doing a lot of things that I should have done earlier on. So when I say that, I mean, looking at the different channels and the different things that I have and seeing really like what makes the most sense from a business perspective. So thinking about like like revenue and, and what, what things I'm doing is helping me have the highest margins and you know lowest expenses, highest revenue. Yeah. And trying to optimize for those things, then scale those things once I get a better handle on what those are. Yeah, it's always finding that 20% that, that produces 80% results. So prioritizing. That's awesome. So taking it back to advice that you would want our listeners to take away from this. Imagine you're starting out again. Let's take it back to 2013 when you just first heard about like becoming an engineer was actually a real possibility. What would you do differently now that you've been through this journey? Okay, well, what I would have done way sooner is look at dream job ads at dream companies and see what they were hiring for Mm -hmm. and see what 
skills they wanted, what responsibilities, what points of experience they cared about. And then I would learn those things. So at that time, it probably would have been some kind of software engineer, even though I didn't do that today. But I really wish I would have done that sooner because before I did that, I was very scattered and I would just listen to what someone says, learn this, someone says, learn that. And I kept changing gears. But if I actually like made it more almost like data driven, like I actually was like, okay, here's, I'm gonna make a spreadsheet of all the skills these 10 different job ads are looking for, find the overlaps and then prioritize the skills that appear the most first. Yeah. Would you wait until you get all those skills before applying for jobs or would you start applying right away as soon as you get the basics down? Apply. It doesn't hurt to apply soon. And even if you like end up getting an interview at a, maybe for a position you're quite underqualified for, it's still good practice, right? Interviewing is great practice. So it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And just to add, so a lot of the times people will look at job descriptions and I don't know if there's any job description that doesn't say, hey, two years of experience required minimum. For the listeners, I just want to highlight that a lot of the times, the two year, it's almost like a nice to have. If you can tell that your story in a way that is compelling and you can demonstrate that, hey, maybe you didn't work as an engineer for two years, but you actually taught yourself how to code and you've been building projects on the side for the last two years. So it's all about how you tell your story. So if you do see jobs that might even require four years of experience, still apply because if they believe in you, if they think you can do the job, they'll just give you that first shot and you get your foot through the door. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So we're about to wrap up, but uh, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you and find out about the new podcast season? Yeah, the best way to find me is on my website, learn to code with dot me. If you go to actually the best way to find out about the new podcast season is once you're on learn to code with dot me, the website. I have a sign-up form right at the top. When you sign up, you get my 10 free tips for learning how to code. And I email a few, usually one to two times per week. And I'll definitely be in touch with everyone when the new season comes out and throughout the season as new episodes come out. So that's the best way to find me and to stay in touch. Awesome. And we'll include the links on in our show notes so our listeners can get the latest season and also get in touch with you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome, Laurence. It was great uh, chatting with you. You dropped a lot of gems. And we're excited to see uh, what you do over the next few years. And uh, we're going to stay in touch and have you back in a few years or in a few months. <laughs> okay, awesome. Excited for that. And thanks again for having me on. Yeah, Thank thanks you. a lot. For sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.